all right for today's Would You Rather question, Jeffrey. Would you rather watch the Left Behind movie series, including the remake, or would you rather read the book series? I would have to go with the movies, uh, one, to save time. The sheer mention of the length of the book series is frightening to me. And also, Nicolas Cage is my kryptonite, so if there's another option where I can just watch that one sevenfold, I take that road. Okay, but but the Nicolas Cage left behind is truly, deeply, and I mean this from my heart, one of his worst movies, and this is Nicolas Cage we're talking about. Yes, uh, the other problem with that, though, shout out to my wife, um, Chad Michael Murray is in that movie, and... Chad Michael Murray to her is Nicolas Cage to me. So the two of us together, it's kind of the best movie ever created. I am left speechless. So we're just going to go ahead and get started with our episode because honestly, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. So uh, welcome to Firm Foundation, the podcast for those building or rebuilding their faith, exploring uh, themes of faith in today's culture. Uh, So my name is Josh. Uh, This is... Jeffrey. We are former Bible students currently in vocational ministry. Uh, and I just want to say, you know, the, this podcast has uh, been something that I've wanted to do for a while now. And I'm really excited to offer something to people who are really struggling. Uh, there are a lot of resources out there for people who want to deconstruct or tear apart their faith. Uh, and sometimes that needs to happen. But when people are ready to rebuild, when they're ready to rededicate to the Lord, uh, when they want to find out, well, what I thought was true isn't, what is true. I want to be able to offer some resources to those people. And that's sort of uh, a bit of my heart behind this podcast. Yeah, I um, I can echo almost all of that there. For me, it's really interesting. I mean, just us being in the Pacific Northwest and being the age that we are, we're members of the millennial generation, which is quite possibly the most unchurched generation to this point. And living in the Pacific Northwest, one of the most unchurched areas, uh, we see a lot of people that leave Christianity, whether nominally or not, for many reasons, that I mean, at the very least, it's an interesting topic, but um, more importantly, it can actually be a very serious and critical topic. So I think it's going to be really fun to dive into, but also um, very heavy, and um, hopefully at least one person out there gets something out of this, because then it's worth it. Yep, praise the Lord. So, um, you know, you mentioned millennials are, are leaving the church, you know, one of the, one of the most unchurched generations, but why why are they leaving? Yeah, so um, we've got a couple different resources here. These are going to be from the Pew Forum, so um, the Pew Research Center for anybody that has or has not heard of them. They do a lot of different polls and the such. So this one, this is going to be looking at the question, who is leaving? And like uh, we both mentioned, our generation, millennials. Um, So this is from 2019. And what's really interesting is that the percentage point change between 2019 and 2009, sorry, those last 10 years, uh, U.S. Ad- adults who identify as Christians, the shift for millennials was negative 16 points, whereas Gen X was negative 8. So just in one generation, we see people leaving the church at twice the rate, which it could be a standalone. It could be a future projection. We don't know. But either way, it's kind of scary because you'll also look at things like um, U.S. adults who identify as Christian from 2007 to two, uh, 2019 is down from 78% to 65 and what we see also is that those who identify as religiously non-affiliated in the same time frame went up from 16% in 2007 to 26 in 2019. So these people leaving Christianity aren't jumping into a different boat of religion, but they're leaving altogether. 
they're, the boat starts to rock and they jump into the ocean. And this is where it's really interesting for us to look at why is that happening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, th these are not small numbers. These are not little anomalies. They're, they're, I would imagine that there are real problems within our idea, within our structure of church that is causing this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most projections give the U.S. population somewhere about 350 million people. And the religious, quote-unquote, nuns, uh, when people fill out applications and all that kind of stuff. N-O-N-E, not N-U-N. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not sisters. Uh, that The religious nuns actually grew by 30 million in the last decade, which if we take those numbers of about 300 to 350 million people, that's almost 10% of the American population have switched to no affiliation. So this is, uh, I mean, the, the, these are significant numbers. What do, do they tell us why they're leaving? Yeah, actually, and this part was actually, I don't know if I would say more interesting, but equally at least, where... This is going to be from Christianity Today, and it was actually a poll taken done by Lifeway Research. And these were the top given reasons on why people left Christian faith. And these were people that um, they considered regular church attenders. So it was two or more times a month, every month. So people that weren't just saying, yeah, my family prays for dinner, but these are people that actually were plugged in in some sense. The number one response with 34% of the people giving was, I moved to college and stopped attending church. Uh, then we have 32% of people saying church members seem judgmental or hypocritical. 29, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. 25% uh, of people, I disagreed with the church's stance on political and social issues. And 24%, my work responsibilities prevented me from going. So in this, we see, one, the actual social outworking of the church and just disagreeing with people and uh, where are we taking hard stances, should we, should we not. But we also just see things like convenience, like your work responsibility prevented me from going. If you grow up only going on Sundays, then you think church is on Sundays, so you're not really going to look for a midweek service, and it kind of is more habitual Christianity. Um, right. It's it's not something that you make a priority. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the, there are a lot of churches, even in our little area, you know, we, we live in a very rural county, uh, but now there are churches that have uh, services on Saturday nights mm -hmm. uh, and, and middle of the week services. So it, it's not like church has become less accessible. Right. And then uh, this this one I thought was actually very scary, to be blunt. Um, this is another Pew Research Center from 2016. Uh, so the numbers might be a little bit different today, but at least definitely ballpark. Those who left childhood faith and now identify as, quote-unquote, no religion. Um, the reasons given on why they left religion to now being unaffiliated. 49% of them said they simply don't believe. 20% dislike organized religion. 18% religiously unsure or undecided. Half. Half. Half of the people, not just there was an issue that couldn't be resolved, but I don't believe. That is that is a shocking number. Uh, you know, I, I, I do know several people that, I know a lot of people in this dislike organized religion mm -hmm. uh, category, but that's only 20% of the people leaving the church right now in, in the millennial generation. Right. If you were to give me those three answers and ask me to say what the majority was in, I probably would have said disliked organized religion because I feel like that's the one you hear the most. But Absolutely. When giving candid answers, half don't believe. So what, I mean, it, it comes down to what is causing these issues that is causing, let me rephrase this, I apologize. Why are people abandoning the faith they're growing up with? Yeah, and these are these are a couple of the reasons given on why people are now unaffiliated. And um, just in the topic, I guess, of don't believe. There's things like, 
Quote, learning about evolution when I went away to college. Uh, too many Christians doing unchristian things. Religion is the opiate of the people. Um, I mean, a lot of those I've heard. Um, some of them are very quippy. I kind of like religion as the opiate of the people because, I mean, it just sounds like it's a good bumper sticker. Yep. Um, but I think what we are going to look at in future episodes, um, especially part two, which is already out for anybody interesting, go ahead and listen to that after this one. Um, when we look at where people put their faith and how they say don't believe, we have to ask the question, what are they believing in? Because a lot of people say that, oh, I lost my faith in the church. That shouldn't have been where our faith was. Well, I, you're exactly right. But when the church proclaims to be uh, the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and they act in such a way that is so contrary to Christ's example, it, it really does leave us with a lot of questions that, that need and deserve an answer. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, it comes back to that question you just asked, where is our actual faith? Is it in the church? But uh, why don't we dive into the church a little bit, and then we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that deeper question. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one of the biggest, biggest reasons right now that the, we're seeing division in the church is politics. Right. Uh, as much as I would love to just not talk about it, it's impossible. Um, you know, a recent study from the Public Religion Research Center shows that Americans are, Americans are more likely to be unhappy if their kids marry someone from a different political party than if they marry someone outside their religion. That's shocking. I, I, I was taken aback. The Gospel Coalition's uh, Trevin Wax, he's a contributor there, he writes, with politics as the ultimate sphere of significance, some Christians begin to identify themselves primarily not as citizens of God's kingdom, but as foot soldiers in a war in which people on one side want to destroy the nation while people on the other side fight valiantly to protect it. Even worse, some Christians conflate the two, thinking their political involvement is synonymous with the work of God's kingdom. Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to mention, but it, it's inevitable that the Capitol riots, the people going in and praying for God's kingdom there, while in direct opposition to the government that God had put in place. Mm -hmm. it, it is extremely unfortunate that, that the church has really, the church in the United States especially, has gotten so fixated on an earthly kingdom and expected God's kingdom to be uh, political which is the same mistake that the Jews made in the New Testament. This is not uh, a, a this is not a new mistake in the church. Yeah, um, most times when people say that there's a new idea, it's kind of just recycled old ideas that we forgot about. Um, but I really like that point about um, digging our heels in and being more concerned with politics rather than actually the work of the kingdom and what the kingdom is, because one of the examples given for the people that dislike organized religion was, quote, I see organized religious groups as more divisive than uniting, end quote, which, again, if we're called to be the body of Christ and if God is calling his people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, what are we dividing over? If we're dividing over doctrine, if we're dividing over actual biblical issues, then sure, that should be happening. The shepherd should be guarding the sheep. But if we're digging our heels in just on preference or political outlook, what is that saying to the world that looks at the church when we're doing that? Yeah, so there's this really uh, inconsistent message from the world that there needs to be all of this unity unless you believe certain things, in which case you should just go die. Yes, um, diversity in everything but thought. 
<laughs> um, you know, I was talking to a friend a while back, and she uh, identifies as religiously non-affiliated, mm-hmm. raised in a non-Christian home. Uh, but but she said that's one of the things. You know, religion often, you know, the church often offers a place for like-minded people to come together, and it's a good community for some people. But there's all this division that it causes. Right. And and I think you're right. And And again, this is something that we'll get into in another episode. Division is sometimes necessary, but there's so much unnecessary division that the church has caused, is causing, or is actively allowing to happen within its own body. Yeah, and it's it's almost in a sense kind of the boy who cried wolf, where if we're constantly dividing over things that don't matter, then when actual biblical church discipline takes effect and there's division happening, people won't buy it because it'll just look as hypocritical as it has in the past. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and coming back to the political issue, we, we all know that the deepest downfall of following political leaders is that our world leaders are deeply, deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the vast majority of people are able to agree on that. Um, but when the younger generation sees such close allegiance between the church and a political movement, every flaw of that political movement gets cast onto the church. And aligning the church with a political party is a recipe for failure and disappointment and more of this unnecessary division. Exactly. And, I mean, I would love for the United States of America to be a fully Christianized nation with everyone professing faith in Christ and everyone being brothers and sisters, doing the work of the kingdom. Start that theocracy, man. I would love the whole world to follow the same, but it's not going to happen through legislation. It's going to happen through evangelizing. It's going to be through missions. It's going to be through actually being salt and light, sharing the gospel, and living out what we believe it's not going to be asserting on other people. You've already fallen, so you can't come to the refuge of sinners, which we should be. We're just going to cast you out because you disagree with this thing six steps down the line. Right. You know, one of the one of the buzzwords right now in, in the deconstruction movement, people who are tearing apart their faith, is decolonialism. Uh, and that really does deserve its own whole episode. But there are some very valid points. We don't need to change an entire culture for them to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. That that's not our job is is to change someone and and control other people. Our job is to share the good news, to care for them, to love them, which can look different in different situations. Uh, but but that doesn't mean we need control to do that. Right, and uh, I mean we've seen the church thrive in oppression and outright slaughter um, through its history. We see how strong believers in China are today with what they face. And we don't have to assume complete control to start making a change. Christianity doesn't have to be a top-down change for a nation. It's very much bottom-up. As a matter of fact, it doesn't work as a top-down. Yes. <laughs> History has shown us that. Um, so, so I mean, a- absolutely, th- these are very valid uh, concerns that people have with the church. So... Um, you know, th- th- this is starting to get into some of the deeper reasons, you know, like uh, I-, I see organized religious groups as more divisive than uniting. That's sort of a surface level problem. I think mm-hmm. there's something deeper here. Research uh, also suggests that many young people just don't have a strong affiliation with their faith. You know, from my own experience, I know many families that just don't put a strong priority on it. You know, that priority versus habit that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, it's a social experience. It's a good thing, uh, but it's not a foundation of the life. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, we see this very 
very dangerous because I said so theology. Hmm. Young people are told what to believe, but punished for thinking critically or asking difficult questions. And this is not at all in line with how Jesus taught. Uh, You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus was not afraid of questions. He leads his followers to the truth and he never, ever hesitated to respond in kindness and love to those who came humbly before him. Right. And I think we've gotten to the point where we'll cite passages like having a childlike faith and we interpret that in our mind as having a childish faith where someone has told us something, so therefore it must be true, and anything else is rank heresy. But if we are raising children that I said this and I'm an authority, therefore believe it, then like the um, response said that I went to college and no longer attend church, if you send them to a professor who has authority over them that teaches them something different, why should they question the professor? We haven't given a true foundation. We've just pasted over. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there are, there are other deeper issues too. I mean, uh, again, things that we'll get into later on in, in this season, but, um, abuse in the church, people who have dealt with trauma resulting from, from that, uh, churches that don't hold their leaders or their members accountable for the things they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we see this hypocrisy abounding and, uh, in my own life, too. I mean, you know, I, I have not been the ideal perfect Christian by any stretch of the imagination. However, when it starts to have a significant effect on the lives of others, there needs to be some sort of accountability, some sort of discipline, some sort of act of restoration in these situations. Right. And I think the biggest problem, too, and again, we're going to get more into this in the second episode where we're actually looking at scripture and the authority thereof, but we're changing both the church and the people in the church, so the church at large, we can't do it on our own preferences. It has to be biblical. So if we are making restoration or um, repentance or whatever we're doing, it has to be biblically led. It can't just be somebody in authority decided, hey, this is what you should do because I think this will make it right. Right. We need need, uh, something deeper than a person. Mm-hmm. than just, just a, a, a charismatic leader. that It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, I, I, I'll talk a little bit about my own experience. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I had the opportunity to go to a Bible Institute, and that was the worst year of my life. Um, mm-hmm. There were a, it was a very, there were a lot of layers to it. There was a lot of dysfunction going on in the Institute. Um, and, and before I get a little bit deeper, I do want to say other people, it was the best thing that could have happened uh, for their walk with the Lord. So obviously the Lord is working in that place. Uh, mm-hmm. But there were so many issues that just got, were never addressed, yeah. were never addressed. Mm-hmm. And there were times where I was even gaslit into believing that it was my fault. And looking back and and with the help of others, I've come to realize, no, wait a second. I, I was not at fault in these situations. I was treated wrongly. And yeah. so, I mean, literally when I got back from that Bible Institute, I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't go to church for six months. Yeah, I, I, it just it hurt. It physically hurt to try and get into a church after seeing how awful people who call themselves Christians can treat each other, how they can disregard each other's, you know, how they can just disregard each other, their yeah. their well-being. Uh, my mental health just it, it was at its absolute worst during that year uh, at the Institute. So, um, you know, it, it was very, very difficult for me to have any faith at all 
in Christians or the church or any organized religion. I, I very much fell into that category of I did not like organized religion at that point. Yeah, and I mean, that's a, a similar story to what we hear a lot from um, peers or even those popular people that are doing deconstruction videos is you, you lose faith in the people. And I mean, we should, as Christians, hold each other accountable, hold ourselves accountable to a better standard. But again, uh, we're not getting into it this episode, but we need to always keep in mind that it's not in people where we should be placing our faith, though it's a very human thing to do. We kind of become collectivists by nature. God made us to be in relation with one another. So it's hard when we see those people in authority do something that we're like, that. that's not just wrong, that's dangerously wrong. And it's, it's sad that it is so widespread. Yep, I mean, people are just... I, 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 I struggle for words because it really does break my heart when people are just being led astray. You know, this, this is why I feel so strongly about uh, different uh, so-called gospel movements that promote mm -hmm. a prosperity gospel. You know, if you believe in God, then he'll give you health and wealth, which is just not at all what Jesus taught. Yeah. Not even close. And when those expectations aren't fulfilled, guess what? Well, I guess the whole thing is hokey. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so difficult because, I mean, anybody can take any verse they want out of context and play it for their own reasoning. And it's so difficult for people that um, take the Bible so sacredly to look at those types of movements and say, if God's plan for all of his people is to be happy, healthy, and wealthy, why did he hate the Apostle Paul so badly? Yeah, the apostle led uh, by by most of our measurements a terrible life. Mm -hmm. Lots of time in prison. He got shipwrecked three times, uh, beaten, tortured, boiled, to boiled alive. Um, yeah, he he had uh, a lot of terrible things happen to him, but he also expected that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the ways that the church is setting itself up to fail is giving people the wrong expectations when they become believers. Mm -hmm. They're telling them, this is what you can expect, this is how God is going to work, this is how God is going to speak to you, uh, without really giving any actual foundation to those statements. Yeah, and, I mean, setting us up to fail, it's kind of a, a semi-point with that, is not just leaders that aren't held accountable, but we have unqualified leaders in churches, at least the United States over, but I'm feel very confident in saying the world over, um, where people are in positions that they either should not be in or should not be in yet. And that does a lot of harm for people who are looking to them to be the spiritual shepherd. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, I, I think of situations where, where I've, you know, I've been in, in different capacities of ministry for a long time. And there were times when I should not have been there, not because I was doing heresy, but, but even for my own sake. You know, and, and when I am not uh, mentally and spiritually and emotionally well, I'm going to have a hard time being a good leader, a good minister in those situations. So so it's not just to come down on all these unprepared leaders, but but really for their own sake, you know, we're, we're setting these people up to fail. So, so there's these, um, these thoughts, these ideas that are spread throughout the entire church in, in North America and I'm sure throughout the world that... Uh, are very dangerous and leading churches to fail. Yeah, and we also have the problem of the faithful and qualified leaders that we have in the American church are 
sometimes called upon to be on call 24-7, and there's just the exhaustion and the burnout. And um, it was, I believe it was Vince Lombardi that said, fatigue makes cowards of us all, where if we're in a position for too long and it gets to the point where we're just so exhausted doing what we're required to do, what people expect us to do, then when there's an actual moment for us to stand up and show spinal fortitude, if we've been there for too long and we're just tired, what are we going to let slip? And then after we let that slip, how long is the reach until, well, this isn't too bad either. And then where does it stop? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, um, I, I really try not to, I, I don't want to, again, I really don't want to get too deep into politics, uh, but, but it's unavoidable, unavoidable. Uh, our Western culture, our celebrity culture hmm. has taught us that, oh, these, these pastors, they're the super Christians. They're the ones who run things. Yep. And then, you know, maybe, maybe if I'm, you know, special enough, I can run the slides in the back or, you know do some of the cleaning, but I can't do any of the spiritual care. I can't do anything like that in the church. Whereas that's just not the case. It's a, it's a false idea. I don't know where it comes from, but there's just these basic assumptions that many people have, have grown up with that, oh yeah, no, no, no. The, the pastor's job is spiritual care of the flock. And while that is a part of his job, that does not prevent us from caring for one another. Yeah. And we get to the point too, where we have congregations will come and we eat of the word on Sunday, and then it doesn't change us. It doesn't do anything throughout the week. So we have to ask ourselves, if we physically ate once a week and did no exercise throughout the week, how healthy would we be? And if we're expecting that of our congregations, that, hey, just come listen to what I say and do it once a week, how are they going to be any different than anybody else? I mean, I I think you hit the nail on the head. If we are spiritually anemic... Mm -hmm and we face a real trial, a real uh, faith obstacle course, if you will, we'll quit. Yeah, and uh, kind of touching on the celebrity pastor thing, we do, we get these people that, um, and sometimes, I mean, it, it is merited. You'll have people that write a very fantastic book, or they'll speak to a certain issue at a certain time that really resonates with people, and they gain fame for whatever reason, uh, not always out of ill will, but people tend to follow them. And then, as humans do, we get caught up in ourselves, we get caught up in our celebrity, make a mistake that we shouldn't have made, and then everything comes crumbling down. Because when you ask the average American, or I should say, American Christian, if we go up to somebody and say, hey, who's your favorite pastor? How many people are going to say, oh, my local pastor? The local pastors are the ones that are going to not fail so (laughs) Hindenburg-like. That if they make a mistake, we know them, we're face-to-face with them, we can either challenge them, we can ask them about it, but if it's just this person on a pedestal that everything they teach, yeah, that hits right to home, that speaks awesomely while they really know the word, and then there's a huge scandal that comes out, it kind of makes sense that your first instinct is to turn, because if that's the person that knows everything, that is the most spiritual person that can speak to every issue that I've had, were they faking it the whole time? Is is anything they said trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- these are these are questions we just can't avoid because they're real and and they're questions that we're having to answer now. Yeah, and uh, in real time. <laughs> the, the, that's part of you know the twenty four hour news cycle has has given us uh, access to all this information. I don't think any of us ever really wanted. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> 
But the fact is, you know, we have to start deciding who can we trust? Is it possible to trust anyone at this point? Um, and the, the, the good answer, the, the answer I'm thankful for is no, we cannot trust anyone. Yeah, and it's it's difficult because, like you said, with 24-hour news cycle, with having the power of Google at our fingertips, um, and also people that uh, refuse to be wrong, whether it be from a media outlet or the guy on Facebook that knows everything that you never wanted to know. Um, we've gotten to the point where if we want information, we can get it. And, and we can get the information exactly that we want. Exactly. Which, when it comes to the church, if we go up to our pastor and we say, hey, I was reading this section, and I'm kind of confused. How does that interplay with this section over here? We've lost the ability to accept the answer. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Let's look at it together. Any of those following, that's a good point. Let's search it out. That doesn't do anything for us anymore because, wait, if you don't know the answer, you're no longer trustworthy. I'll find someone who has a ready answer now. Yeah. we The, 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 the culture of instant gratification um, comes with baggage a little bit a little bit uh so so yeah abs absolutely i i think these are all really uh getting to the heart of of why we're seeing this this mass deconstruction why we're seeing these people leave the church um so the next question is where do we go from here yeah um if we've and a lot of times you'll hear these people that will do a deconstruction and they're not just nominal christians these are people that have been in the church, maybe they went to youth programs like Awana, they've been in youth group, they go to church every Sunday with their family, they pray before meals, they're really plugged in, and then they walk away because there's a shaking. So, again, we have to look at what's left, because what were we standing on? Were we standing on one thing, two things, are they both gone, which one's gone? It's a very interesting topic to look at Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to start segueing into our next episode here. We have to find something to ground ourselves on. Right. People are very inconsistent and they are often wrong and oftentimes they're just the worst. Um, <laughs> I mean, truthfully. Uh, so so what, what can we trust? What can we believe in? What can we hold on to when the things around us aren't? don't seem trustworthy, you know, mm -hmm. when these scandals happen for people, you know, that we have admired uh, and looked up to, what are we going to fall back on when that gives way? Yeah, it, um, it's kind of a outpouring of, we'll look at things like, we think, oh, the church, or sorry, my church administers the Bible to me. So the teaching that I hear is biblical teaching. And praise God if that's true. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that is true for anyone listening. Um, but it's actually turned on its head because the church comes from Scripture. If the church is doing something contrary to Scripture, it's the church that's wrong. You're not wrong if you come up to a church leader and say, hey, I think we need to be doing it this way, and if they just blow you off, you weren't wrong. The, the, that's a huge red flag right there. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, do you have a full and complete and accurate understanding of Scripture, Jeffrey? Well, yes, no. <laughs> okay, I was like, no, don't cause lightning <laughs> to strike in this little little makeshift studio, please. <clears throat> uh, so I, I, I think we need to start with okay. I mean, we we a lot of churches claim to be biblically based, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say most within the the realm of orthodoxy claim that the Bible is inerrant uh, and is something that we can trust. 
I think that's what we need to dive into. So that's what we're going to be doing for episode two, which is up and streaming now. Uh, feel free to listen. Uh, but before we end this episode, I do have a question for you, Jeffrey. Oh, yes. What is the most unusual thing you've ever eaten? Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, as a kid, everybody eats weird things. So are we talking more like this was meant to be food? Yes. Okay. Um, well, this isn't necessarily unusual, but it popped into my head because I'm not a huge fan of seafood, particularly shellfish. I don't dislike it, but it's kind of weird to me. It's a weird mouthfeel. So when I first had lobster, what is it called? Ther- thermidor, I think. Okay. It was deconstructed lobster thermidor. Tr- tr- something like that. Mm-hmm. It was weird because I could have sworn it was raw. And it was a food I wouldn't eat primarily by myself anyways. But it was at a company dinner. And I felt awkward because it looked expensive. And everyone had their own personal plate. That's it? This is the weirdest thing you've eaten? Well, it's just popping into my head because now I'm starting oh, to have flashbacks. Okay. Actually, technically the weirdest thing is probably a hot dog, if you think about it. Okay, all right. I'm going to answer this question because yours was lame. Uh, I ate... Okay, I'll... actually I have two things. And it was both uh, while I was in Peru. I oh, well, ate... that's not fair. Yeah, it... well, you know what? Your problem. Uh, let's see. An ant, which apparently I was supposed to spit out, but I just swallowed it. And my friends were like, no, no, no. I didn't throw up, so it must not have been that bad for me. Uh, and then we also ate turtle. Oh. In a stew. And it was okay. Was it like a, a little guy? Like a soft shell? No, it was it was a big turtle. Ooh. Yeah, we, we cleaned it and everything. It was kinda like Oh, you watched it die. Well, this is getting pretty gruesome for oh, the yeah, podcast. A... So uh those of you who want to ask, feel free. Uh the rest of you can just skip on ahead to episode two. <laughs> uh I do want to let you guys know, and I'll mention this in the next episode, which hopefully you're gonna listen to right now. Uh if you guys have any questions message us let us know we want to uh reach out and and offer you guys resources that we have speaking of uh we do have a blogspot uh website where we're putting all of the resources that we get our statistics from our information from we're putting all of those uh sources on this website so that you can do your own research you do not have to depend on us we are not believers in because i said so theology uh, and so we want to make sure that you're equipped to answer these questions for yourself yes please check us out um and if any of the links that we link are either the wrong link or um it sounds like we said something contrary to what it listed please let us know um we would love to make that up and um, be held accountable by you because if we're talking about serious issues we need to take them seriously absolutely all right we will uh see you guys in the next episode